Superman Forever Radio, Episode 120, Why Superman Needs a Secret Identity. than a speeding bullet, more powerful than a locomotive, people believe tall buildings at a single bound, the incident ship town is now the man of steel, Superman! Hello and welcome to the Superman Forever radio podcast. My name is Bob Fisher. This is a show where I talk about Superman from his humble beginnings in 1938 all the way to the present day. Now, the first part of this this particular episode, there's no notes. This is the free-form consciousness thought talk things that I've been thinking about. I don't have any notes for this for this part of it. This is just, uh, you know, uh, what's on my mind. So I'll probably forget something or leave something out or get off on a tangent because I don't have any notes. But I want to talk a little bit about um, the whole idea of uh, Superman and Clark Kent, or more accurately, Superman and a secret identity in itself. Now, obviously... Uh, I have no idea what DC Comics and Mr. Bendis have in mind uh, for the upcoming storyline where Superman reveals his secret identity to the world. It's happening in the current issue that's on the stands right now, Superman number 18, which I have not read and, and uh, at this point have no plans on reading it. Maybe later if it's collected if <laughs> that's funny when it's collected to uh you know a trade or something maybe maybe once it's all said and done i will give it a look but that's a maybe uh and why am i saying that in advance not knowing anything about it you're a superman fan bob why aren't you reading this stuff uh that's a good question that's a, that's you know a legitimate question and because I do podcast about Superman, you would think you'd want to keep up on the current events. Well, I've kept up enough, I think, for a while. For those of you who are new, I suggest going back to episode number 79 of this podcast when I took over uh, as host from the incredible J. David Weeder. But I decided right off the bat when I accepted uh, the challenge of doing this show that it would be a positive show. It would be something that it, it it would be a show about the Superman that um that I like. You know, and I'm going to, you know, avoid those areas of Superman that I'm not particularly crazy about. A story here or there, parts of a movie, a TV show, whatever. I it would be a waste of my time and energy, I think, to do a podcast like you see YouTube videos nowadays where all they're really doing is tearing stuff apart, just really tearing it as if they're, you know, critics or something and, and have some logic to it uh, when it's really just their personal opinion. They don't like it. So I, I'm not going to do a whole lot of that. 
if any, I try to keep the whole idea of this being a positive celebration of Superman and his cast of characters and not a put down, not a, this is what I hate about the character. Now, DC is making that very difficult for me at this particular time. And I mentioned uh, Mr. Bendis, Brian Michael Bendis, in the uh, first couple of opening sentences there. Because that's what's going on right now. But, you know, to think that, oh, you just, you know, the secret identity thing. Okay, so one little storyline and you're just jumping off and you're hating it. No, that is not accurate. I would say that the uh, giving up the Clark Kent identity in this current run is the straw that broke the camel's back, so to speak. Uh, I have given it, uh, I, you know, read his uh, Man of Steel. I read his uh, first 16 issues of both Action and Superman. And to me, as a as a uh, uh, reader who loves the Silver Age, that time in the late 50s to um, early 70s, and into the 70s, the Bronze Age too, uh, that's my, that's my, you know, sweet spot. That's, that's, that's the part of Superman stuff that, that, uh, I, I never get tired of going back and reading those stories, whether they're very serious stories looking at issues or even the funny ones, just the ones where they're putting the characters in a ridiculous situation. Those were fun. I enjoyed them. Uh, and, uh, you know, they were, you know, pointed at me. Those were my times. But like I said, I gave Mr. Bendis a huge benefit of the doubt because, you know, he was a new writer and and things were, you know, again, things were going and I thought I'd give him a shot. I gave New 52 a shot. I mean, in fact, let's let's go back just a little bit. Almost every decade since I started reading comics in the 50s, there's something for me to like there, whether it was the late 50s, the, all through the 60s, the 70s of the Bronze Age, um, even after I got over the mid-80s stuff of John Byrne uh, changing the history and the character and Lois and all those things as much as he did, uh, you know, I got back into that. And by the late 80s, um, I was starting to read them again, maybe early 90s, I guess. And then, of course, with the death and return, actually the death of Superman, funeral for a friend, uh, reign of the Superman and his return. Uh, you know, I, that was an incredible story, even though it took a, quite a while. And I think that's really one of the big differences. It was still, uh, fairly affordable to, uh, dig into those. And to be honest, to me, that was a, uh, catching lightning in a bottle kind of thing. That's a once in a generation thing where, uh, Mike Carlin, was able to get and keep the creative staff focused and all, you know, if it was a row team, they're all rowing in the same direction at the same time. Everybody knew what was going on in in the staff and they, they, you know, were kind of excited about it. And you can tell it came off the page. They were doing some creative new things and made us all remember why we like the character so much. 
So that was a that was a very special time, even for us old Silver Age guys. That part of the 90s, 92 to 94, 96, I guess, uh, it was a pretty special time in the history of Superman. But then we get into the uh, late 90s, early 2000s, and I'm kind of snoozing out again. It's like, uh-oh, what is going on? I don't know. It's just not hitting it. Uh, still kind of buying them, you know, but but not really reading them, bagging them, boarding them, and putting them away, looking at the covers, maybe glancing through them, but not really into them. And I've told this story before back on my, my Brainiac episode. It was the Jeff Johns Brainiac story that got me back into uh, reading them on a regular basis again. And I thought, well, if this is what Superman is, this is pretty cool. But almost as soon as I got back into them, uh, it didn't last long. Uh, Jeff Johns left the book. Other people came in. We're talking, you know, grounded and, and so many other things. And I thought, well, this is terrible. But then they did the new Krypton story. And I thought, well, this was good, except it went on forever and ever and ever. It should have been more of a six to eight issue story instead of a 12 to 16 issue story it just went on too long and got drawn out and you know and even though it 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 is not the krypton that i particularly like not sure about the whole guild system even though that's something now that has been established and is part of the krypton lore from now on i guess uh i'm more in favor of freedom of choice i'm not crazy about you know being assigned to a guild and that's your life uh and for an advanced system of krypton you know they but that was something that started i guess back in the 80s with burn and some of those other things they 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 decided to not make krypton a place where we wanted to be but a place that was destined to blow up and for many more reasons than just uh the core being unstable or etc cetera, etc cetera. But then we move in, and so the 2000s, you know, I'm back. I'm saying, hey, okay, this isn't bad. But then we get grounded, like I said, and then New Krypton, and then the New 52. But the beginning of the New 52, the Grant Morrison one, was probably the last time I was actually looking forward to that issue coming out this time. It, it, Grant Morrison, his first eight to ten issues of that New 52 run, I thought, now here, he's brought back some wonderful stuff including some warmth of Krypton, a baby in the rocket, not a matrix, so many other things that he brought back. And I thought, good, this is a, this is a great foundation for other writers to take off on and build some great stories from. But almost as soon as Grant Morrison left, uh, the whole thing went to hell in a handbasket. And of course, Superman never took off again because of that book was having lots of problems with creative staff. I think George Perez was there for what, four or five issues. And anyway, it just, you know, it was a mess. It was a mess. And of course, you know, they realized, oops, not happening. Let's uh, reboot it again, kill off the new 52 guy, bring back uh, a kind of a post crisis Superman who's married to Lois with a kid. And then, well, okay. Uh, but they did it really well. Rebirth was done really well. And you had some good writers who understood the character. But that didn't last. And now here we are. And now here we are. 
Well, I gave John, John, I gave uh, uh, Brian Michael Bendis plenty of room, plenty of absolute room. I, like I said, I read them, even though I think from the second or third issue of the run, I realized where we're going with this. Once again, anything that was fun or, I don't know, it was almost like, uh, oh, that was started in the Silver Age? Well, we can't have that. Let's get rid of it. And what do I mean by that? About the second or third issue. I didn't even know in this continuity, by the way, that Kandor existed, the bottled city of Kandor, for example. I'm using this as an example, but didn't even know it existed. And then I guess I was fine with that. This was an Elseworld. This is a different Superman. We'll see what's going on. Maybe in the future of this character, he'll have an encounter with Brainiac and they'll redo the, the bottle city. Story. But no, all of a sudden, boom, there it is. The bottle city of Kandor is in this continuity. This is exciting. Wow, turn the page and it's getting smashed on the floor. And all those people killed and the bottle destroyed. For what reason? No other reason than just to do it. So I I, I kind of knew, oh man, this is not gonna this is not gonna have a happy ending for me, is it? So but I stayed with it, kept reading them. Uh, to be honest, I let them stack up for quite a while and then read four or five at a time because people kept saying, oh, you're going to love Bendis because it's the long run. It's the long haul. You're going to love it, even though, you know, it might not look like you're going to love where it's going to. He he writes for the long haul. OK, fine, fine. It's going to write for the long haul. So that's what I did. I can't, I stayed with it, waiting for the stuff to happen. What's going to happen? Where is it? And then more of this happened. The metaphor I used, of course, the smashing of Candor, was a sign of things to come. And then Jor-El, not a good guy, just a damn another bad space guy. And on it went. We're just getting used and liking the new John as a young kid and Lois and Clark back together as a couple. And what does he do? Gets rid of the marriage, even though they're technically still married, I guess. You don't really know. They're split up, etc. You don't know. It's just, it was too much. It was too much. So I decided that uh, I'm just not who the market in DC is is uh, the target. They've been trying to tell me for a long time that uh, they're not writing stories for me or even stories that I might enjoy anymore. So Finding my joy, as uh, the irredeemable shag would say, is again back issues. I have decided for the foreseeable future, uh, I'm not going to be reading Superman or Action or basically any modern DC comics right now. Um, it's just time to pull away, back out. They're, I'm not enjoying them, so why? spend the time and the exorbitant amount of money it cost to be a comic book collector and reader of multiple titles. There was a time when you literally, and not just when I was a kid at the 12 cents level, 10 and 12 cents level, but even at the 75 cents and dollar level of the 90s, that's, that is uh, okay. Yeah, I can still go in and buy you know, and, and you can spend 20 bucks a month or so on your comics and get and have a nice variety of reading. You can't do that today. Just can't do that. 
So uh, maybe if they get really cheap in the back bins, maybe, but more or less, I, I, I've just had it with DC and Dan DiDio and, um, and Bendis is not talking to me. These are not something that, that I'm enjoying. So let's talk a little bit about what he's doing. Not what he's doing, because I don't know what he's doing. Other than DC has decided that secret identities are stupid. So we're going to get rid of them. And how do we get rid of them? Oh, let's just take the most important secret identity of them all, Superman, and get rid of his. And no offense to other superheroes, Ralph Dibney or even Daredevil and Spider-Man for a while. These guys... Oh, and speaking of that, that was Bendis also with Daredevil that gave up his secret identity. And that one lasted for, what, 10 years? But I don't have the patience, the time, or the money, or the effort to put into uh, waiting to see what Bendis does with this. I hope you guys enjoy it. I hope if you're reading it and it is something that really speaks to you and that you love it, that's good. The sales numbers aren't doing that. Since Bendis came on, the numbers have plummeted. But who knows what's going to happen. This could all just take off and be exactly what the Dio and them want. But to be honest, I think they're really setting us all up for this new 5G thing that's coming. Uh, and I'm not sure what it means other than fifth generation is what I'm putting in my brain. Because rumor has it that they're basically going to get rid of all the big name characters and replace them with their younger substitutes or other versions of them. Again, Didio trying to be young, edgy, woo. Nobody wants to see mature Superman anymore. Well, that's baloney, and the numbers would prove that with Rebirth, we had an older, more mature Superman, who was also a father and a husband. And under good writers, they played that well. And that, that's really where it starts, isn't it? With the writer. Because any concept can be good or bad, depending on how it is written and how it is executed. Great art can sometimes help a weak story. Not this time, but sometimes it can do that. We've got Ivan Rice, Reese on the um, new Superman title, and just glancing through it, the artwork looks terrific. But it's full of Bendis words, so mm, yeah, you got that. Uh, again, you see with no notes, now I'm, I'm rambling and doing what I said I wasn't going to do, but coming back to the secret identity thing and why Superman needs a secret identity. And I think it's important whether you are a post crisis, Clark is the real guy. Superman is what I do. Clark is who I am person, or like me, you're a silver age guy and Superman is the guy and Clark is a disguise. And you would think, well, it's just a disguise then. Why does he need it? Well, we're going to talk about that in the second part of this show. I've picked out, um, and I think it's interesting. <laughs> Another thing goes, yes, I'm going to finish that thought while I come to this other thought. But it's kind of an interesting coincidence. Before I knew uh, that uh, uh, DC was going to expose Clark Kent again. 
that uh, it's funny because I have been working on, uh, and by working on, I mean stacking and reading a whole bunch of comics pertaining to the subject. Before I even knew they were doing that, I was working on what I thought would be a fun story or a fun episode that I'm calling uh, Clark v. Superman. And I'm looking through all the times where the two of them split or fought against each other or one gave up the other. Clark gave up being Superman or Superman gave up being Clark or uh, they were split in two different people. One of those stories I've already covered, uh, I forget the episode, but it was where Clark became a powerless human, Clark Kent, and Superman had the powers, but became kind of an egomaniac and king, wanted to be King Superman. And uh, Clark sacrificed himself, at, became a metallo to sneak in and um, fix things, as Clark would do as Superman would do when he's in his right mind. But just putting those books together, bringing those books out where they have been split, and I tried to limit it to uh, uh, a certain time period because this is nothing new. It may be new to Mr. Bendis, but the idea of one giving up the other or the two of them fighting against each other or even just why he needs a secret identity at all this is not new. This is something that has been tried time and time again. And I go back to this, the same reason where I kind of defend the Silver Age when people say, oh, it was all silly. I would say, no, not all of it. Maybe one out of the three stories in every single issue every month might be silly and stood out to you, but there were also stories like Superman Returns to Krypton, The Death of Superman, Superman Red and Blue. I mean, I could go on and on and on about serious, thought-provoking stories that took place in 12 to 32 pages. Not 12 to 32 issues at 4 and $5 a pop. 12 to 32 pages. Now, every once in a while, in the Silver Age, even in the Silver Age, a storyline would uh, cross over or, or be continued in multiple issues. It was rare, but it did happen. But it didn't go on for a year or more at four and five dollars a pop. You didn't have to pay 60 to 75 dollars for one story. And you could say, oh, but it's like a soap opera and it continues and it progresses. And during that time, we get side stories of this person and that person and this. Blah, blah, blah. True, but it's basically one story. Now, if like when this kind of started, this decompressed storytelling, it took three, four, five issues, maybe even six and at a dollar or so. Fine. Okay, terrific. And you think, here is Bendis writing one story that will take a year or more. And just as an example, in 1964, I think it was 64, I may have the date wrong, Edmund Hamilton wrote 22 distinct individual stories in one year. And most of those were 10 or 12 pages. Beginning, 
middle, end. Now, I agree. That makes me one of those guys from that time period who just couldn't get into the long, drawn-out soap opera uh, story. Some of them, yes, because they were well-written. And even picking up one issue, you could go, wow, that's good. Why, why is he doing this? And, oh, I need to get the next one and go back and find the other one. Now, I have friends who are younger than me, of course, and they're basically post-crisis. And they, they love the, the, the decompressed storytelling. They love the ongoing thing. I think I would like it more if it actually went somewhere. And let's, let's say that, you know, um, a writer comes on and you know he's going to do a couple of years. But we don't know that anymore. We don't know what's going on. And he's coming in, this writer. And it's happened over and over and over again in the last decade anyway. A storyline gets going. A new writer comes in. They change the numbers back to one, which is ridiculous and confusing to new people. And then he just comes in and breaks all the toys, takes all the sand out of the sandbox, and then goes off and goes back to Marvel or goes off somewhere else to write something else and leaves the next writer to try to clean it up. But he's got his own ideas of what he wants to do. So he's going to have to spend the first bit of his his uh, uh, term on the book cleaning up what the last guy did, unless they decide, like after the new 52, let's just kill him off. Oh, but we don't want to really kill him. Let's bring the post-crisis guy, post guy, but he's going to absorb the essence of the new 52 guy. So in effect, he's still the new 52 guy, but he looks older and he's got a wife and a kid and blah, blah, blah. Except he's not acting like the new 52 guy. But once again, they screw it up. And I just have a hard time understanding that of why. Why is it so difficult? to put the toys back in the box. Tell your story. Do what you want to do. But in my mind, you put all the toys back in the box when you're through with them so that the next guy who wants to play with these toys will have a nice, clean box of toys to play with that aren't all broken and strewn all over the place. That's just not fun. Some can do it better than others. But what eventually happens is DC just finally says, oh, we've gone too far. We can't do that. Let's reboot. Reboot. As a young person who was reading comics from the mid to late 50s, there were no reboots. It didn't, he didn't reboot. They just added to. And then people thought, oh, that's too confusing. How about the Superman from the 30s? How can he still be in this and that? People. Imagination. The continuity bug is going to get you. So, yeah, I am ranting a little bit. And it didn't make me mad. And I think this is something that's very interesting about my current state of Superman fandom. A few years ago, this stuff was making me kind of angry. And I thought, wow, God, how are they screwing this up again and again? In my whole lifetime, there was one reboot. It came, you know, 35 years into my reading. Then the burn guy rebooted and it stayed that way for another 20 years but now in the last decade we've had three reboots of superman and they can't get it right and even in the glimpses when they finally do 
it's like, well, that was fun, but no, 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 no. And I'm just still putting it at the feet of Dan DiDio. I just think he does not like Superman. He doesn't understand Superman, and he doesn't want to have a character that is the basics, the foundation, the 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 main reason of a Superman character. He just cannot figure that out. Now, I know that I said I don't want to gripe about stuff, and I don't want to do that, and here I am griping. But the main point, really, is that, uh, like I said, I've decided to drop Superman in action, and all DC Comics for a while anyway, um, because I'm not enjoying them. And even though this sounds like maybe I'm getting a little angry, I'm not. I'm really not angry. I'm not mad anymore. I'm beyond that now. Now, I'm bored and I'm sad. And like I said, it might be new to him coming over to Superman and thinking, wow, this would be great if, and I'm thinking, just read five years ago. Remember Lois exposing how well that went when he didn't have a secret identity and how all that blew away? Yeah. There's a reason Superman has a secret identity. There is a reason he is Superman, a strange visitor from another planet, a strange visitor from another planet who came to earth with powers and abilities far beyond those of mortal men he can change the course of mighty rivers bend steel in his bare hand and who disguised as clark kent mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper fights the never-ending battle for truth justice and the american way the American way can be discussed now. What is the American way? But I think we all kind of know what the ideals of the American way are and what that, but the first two in that, the truth is first. Justice is second. And the American way is third. Truth. Now, I think it's ironic. They're even calling this new storyline truth, which was the disaster. In the New 52, they called that truth. And I kind of understand that. They, you know, people who are skeptics will say, oh, yeah, Superman, big, never tell a lie, except all day, every day when you're Clark Kent. And there is some degree of a point to that. But let's take it the other way. Why does Superman need a secret identity? And I say need. Why does he need a secret identity? Many of the other superheroes may or may not, especially in the Marvel Universe. You can just go right down the list, read Richard. I mean, just go down the list for a bunch of none of them have even even uh, uh, Captain America. Everybody knows Steve Rogers is Captain America. Don't do drugs, kids. They might turn you into a superhero. But the secret identity may or may not work for other characters. Ralph Dibney did not necessarily need a secret identity. But many of the others do, and for a lot of the same reasons, especially those with big rogues galleries made up of supervillains and those superheroes who may have more powers than, you know, bows and arrows or uh, tricks in your belt. But we'll let all of them go by for the time being. I'm just going to talk Superman here. Why does Superman need a secret identity? And I say need. I think part of it is he wants a secret identity. But the secret identity is more than just hiding the hero. And for Superman, 
it does so much more than just hide the the superhero. And once you expose that fact, then everybody knows that for years, the person you knew as Clark and the person you knew as Superman have been lying to you. Finding that out is going to change everything. Giving up a secret identity is going to change everything. Now, he may have some great ideas about how he wants to explore that. And fine, good, explore it all you want. But I'm not going to be on that ride. Not at this price. Not at this time. Not with this writer. It's just not going to happen. But like I was saying, why does Superman need a secret identity? And and I do think, like I mentioned a few seconds, again, I'm rambling, no notes. But before I knew Bendis was going to do this and DC was going to take away the, the, the Clark Kent thing again, I was working on a uh, on an episode that will air in 2020. I've got a lot of fun things coming up for 2020 and hopefully a lot more episodes than I was able to get out this year. Trying to make some life changes and some schedule changes and some this and that. But one of the one of the episodes I was working on, as I mentioned, was a thing that I'm currently calling Clark v. Superman. And just looking at the covers for a 20-year time period, it practically happened once a year where they would split up or he would try to give one up or it got exposed or whatever. And those were some very serious, some very fun, some whatever, but... That's the point that I really try to make and the difference. And I know I catch some grief about it from some of my younger friends who love the long form narrative, but it gets risky when you do this kind of a storyline, because now you have to put that back in the box. Eventually, you have to put that back. Superman has always been and always should be. Clark Kent. It's peanut butter and jelly. They have to be there. It just, it's just been, it's been hard to read and no joy. So there it goes. And that'll be fine. That'll be fine. I'm not, again, I'm not, I'm not angry. Uh, Again, I'm kind of over it. But I thought, to bring it back to some joy and some happiness and some stuff that I enjoyed for 2020, we'll be talking more about the Clark Kent versus Superman thing in, in a fairly epic episode. But for today, I thought just to kind of, you know, break the ice. And because it's timely, as I record this, we're about 10 days or so from Christmas, 2019. Merry Christmas, everybody. But, uh, I thought I would, um, out of all those covers and stuff I was looking at, one of them kind of gets right to the point. So I thought I would talk a little bit about that. Uh, Action Comics number 305 from 1963. And we'll talk about that in, in just a second or two. But first, understand, I'm not mad, I'm not angry, I'm not getting all, you know, whatever, been out of shape about this. I'm definitely not saying, I don't like it, so therefore you should not like it. If you like it, Way to go. You know, I'm not one of those kind of Superman fans that says my way or the highway. If you're one of the people who hasn't read a comic book in your entire life, but you you like the animated show or you like the movies or the uh, Tyler Hecklin on on Supergirl, if you like that, if that's what brought you to Superman, if John Byrne brought you to Superman, if Brian Michael Bendis 
has brought you to Superman and you like it and you now call yourself a Superman fan. You are a Superman fan because you like something about Superman. Congratulations. Welcome to the club. I'm not that kind that has a litmus test for you. Some of my best Superman friends don't like the Superman that I like. Some of them can't stand Jimmy Olsen. <laughs> oh, me. Looking at you, Em. <laughs> but uh, I'll defend Jimmy to, the, to my, there is another hill I'll die on. Jimmy Olsen. But there is so much more to Superman than, than uh, one story, even one era of Superman. And, um, you know, uh, I think so many of us love the Golden Age Superman, the Take No Prisoners, the first season of the George Reeves Adventures of Superman, the Superboy uh, show from the late 80s, the, the, the Lois and Clark, Smallville, on and on and on. So welcome aboard. If you're a Superman fan, and I don't care how you got here. If you're a Superman fan and you decided to listen to me, what you've really heard is something a little weird for this episode because I am kind of complaining a little bit and I don't normally complain that much. So I'll tell you what, I'll get back into this little bit of a rant in a second or two. Uh, but first of all, let's play these. What? Have you ever read uh, a Superman comic? Not in the last few hours. Oh, I was just checking, right? Just checking. Hey everyone, my name is Michael Bailey, and I have been a fan of Superman for as long as I can remember. In 1987, I started collecting the Superman comics as a going concern, which led me down a long and winding comic book-filled path to 2007 when I first started podcasting. Well, it's 2017, and because it's been 10 years since I started podcasting, and 30 years since I started reading Superman full-time, I thought it might be fun to start a new show called It All Comes Back to Superman. It All Comes Back to Superman will be my monthly reaffirmation of my Kryptonian faith, where I will pick out something about the Man of Steel and discuss it. Sometimes I'll be alone. Sometimes I'll have a guest. No matter how many people get involved, Superman will be the focus. It All Comes Back to Superman is part of the Fortress of Bailey Tube Podcasting Network. New episodes will drop on the 28th of every month. This show and all of the other programs that are part of the Fortress of Baileytude podcasting network can be found at www.fortressofbaileytude.com. And welcome back. And something I meant to say up front before I even got into the Clark stuff was I hope you're watching the Crisis uh, uh, crossover on the CW. Holy moly! <laughs> although he's not in it that would be fun but you know i think that's also pretty funny too we're talking about the 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 cw crisis on infinite earths big crossover between arrow and supergirl and flash and batwoman and dc legends and black lightning uh loving it loving it loving it yeah, it's got some problems. It's got a little of this, a little of that. But, you know, overall, this is this has just been a real treat uh, to see. And uh, uh, in my mind, it, it's it's Brandon Routh. I, I just think finally he got to play uh, uh, a, a Superman 
that was well-written and a better costume. And to see Brandon Ralph on screen, that to me was terrific and uh, what I want to see more of. I would watch that kingdom come crisis, whatever, put him in a decent suit with a script like that, and boy, would I be sitting right there watching. Now, we're going to have a Superman show, Superman and Lois, uh, starring Tyler Hecklin and, again, no notes, so I've forgotten the the actor's name that's playing Lois in Supergirl and the Crisis. I forgot her name. But Brandon Routh, just for a second, I want to talk just briefly about Brandon Routh. And there might be some spoilers if you haven't seen it yet, so you may not want to listen to all this. But it was so cool because when he first appears on screen, Brandon, he is as Clark Kent with glasses, three-piece suit. And uh, Tyler Hecklin is not dressed as Superman. And there's Lois and Iris West from Flash are there. And, you know, they're there to get his help in the big thing. So he says Clark Kent and he's acting like Clark Kent, but not as much as a golly gee bumping into stuff because in this particular earth, he is editor of the daily planet because of a catastrophe where everybody else was killed. Thus the kingdom comes Superman. But there was a bit as he walks on and meets these people in the open press room and everybody else around, he's Clark Kent. And he's acting like Clark and he doesn't know who they are. Then when he finds out, they go into Perry's or the editor's office, Clark's office as editor. And he takes off the glasses. He still has the suit on. But when he took off the glasses, he became Cal. Superman. He was different. And I noticed it right away. As soon as he took the glasses off, he stood up a little bit. He became Superman right then. And for the rest of the scene, whether he was in the Clark clothes without the glasses or as he then changes into Superman, we're seeing Superman. And I understand the cast when he walked on set that first day, just kind of, you know, jaws dropped and, (laughs) you know, it's just pretty amazing. And I like Tyler Hecklin. Don't get me wrong. I think Tyler Hecklin has the great attitude. There was an edited scene, a cut scene from last year's crisis that should have stayed in where they're on the farm and Clark was talking to Green Arrow because uh, Oliver had the powers and he was trying to convince him how to handle Flash's powers. And a terrific scene. You should find that somewhere on YouTube and look at it if you haven't seen it. It will you know, it it shows that Tyler Hecklin and the writers understand who Superman is. So it was really done well. But to me, Brandon Ralph finally got closure on, on Superman and his part as Superman because he has caught so much crap about Superman Returns. And much of it deserved, but not at him. It was a terrible story based on the worst part of Superman 2. It was doomed from the beginning. And then they put him in a terrible costume. But that's another episode. And again, that's griping and I don't want to gripe. So the crisis crossover has been terrific. And they're having to deal a little bit with the whole Superman and Clark Kent stuff there too. But some good scenes. So watch that. Okay. Now, let's get back and talk a minute about why I'm putting this episode out. Should have been a Christmas episode, I guess, but 
as we've talked before, I have a hard time with all the holidays and the calendar and stuff. I kind of do things when I do them. So, Merry Christmas. <laughs> but uh, uh, in just a second, we're going to get back and we're going to talk about Action Comics number 305 from 1963. Why Superman Needs a Secret Identity. Justice League International, Bwahaha Podcast. A new monthly show chronicling the adventures of the JLI era by Keith Giffen and J.M. DeMatteis. We'll be going issue by issue in release order, tackling the core Justice League title, Justice League Europe, and the quarterly book. Along the way, we'll take time out for special episodes covering various spin-offs, cartoon appearances, the infamous TV pilot, and much more. So join me in an ever-changing roster of guest hosts as we celebrate your favorite JLI members, such as... Martian Manhunter. Batman. Dr. Fate. Black Canary. Fire. Ice. Maxwell Lord. Oberon. Captain Marvel. Rocket Red. Captain Adam. Mr. Miracle. Guy Gardner. Booster Gold. Blue Beetle. Nort. And many, many more. Justice League International. Blahaha Podcast. Part of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. Want to make something of it? Action Comics number 305. Cover date, October 1963. On sale date, August 1963. Why Superman Needs a Secret Identity. Writer, Leo Dorfman. Art, Kurt Swan, Inc. by George Klein. Uh, the cover, I think uh, people will recognize. You might have recognized this cover. It shows uh, some villains looking through a one-way glass mirror thing watching Clark Kent change to Superman and they have a box a lead box with some gold kryptonite in it and a bunch of money so apparently they've worked a deal one of them says okay here's your money here's your kryptonite we now know who Superman is why Superman needs a secret identity we have a nice splash page here of Superman leaving a flying out a hotel window. I mean, a, 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 a not a hotel, an apartment window, being shot by Lex Luthor with kryptonite. Boom, 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 and down goes Superman. That's the splash page. Story opens: Jimmy and Clark, that's Jimmy Olsen, Clark Kent, come across a holdup from Benny the Blaster, who's going to blow the place up with some nitroglycerin. Superman thinks, well, I could stop this quickly, but if I do, that'll expose my secret identity. And I can't do that. Cannot expose the secret identity. And in that nanosecond, between the time he actually acts and the time they come across this, in his mind, Superman is thinking, I need to protect my secret identity. And why, dear reader and listener, does Superman need a secret identity. So we flash back to Smallville, where Clark and Lana happen to be witnessing, as they stand in front of the Kent's general store, a holdup car is racing away from the police. The police are chasing, and it looks like they're going to get away. Clark feigns timidity and runs away and hides, uh, well, under a truck. He then uses his heat vision to melt the tires of the getaway car, and the police can catch up to him. Since this happened right in front of the uh, uh, Kent's general store, Martha and Jonathan happened to witness the entire scene. Later that day, they talked to Clark, 
and they feel bad about him having to make Clark always be, you know, a, a scaredy cat, afraid of everything, running away and what everybody would think. And they, they tell him, why don't, uh, we've decided that you should uh, let the world know, let everybody know that Clark, you are Superboy. Well, Superboy is not all crazy about the idea, actually. And he says, are you sure? Doesn't seem like a good idea. And they say, no, no, we're really sure. So the next day they have a little thing in front of the town and let everybody know in town that Clark is Superboy and that the uh, uh, that he's the one responsible for stopping the, the, the hold-up car yesterday. People are amazed. Wow, John Kent's boy is Superboy? Who'd have guessed that? And everybody's in Atlanta, of course. I knew it. I knew it. I tried to prove it. You wouldn't. Eh, eh. So now everybody knows. Next day, which is interesting, we see Clark, not Clark, we see Superboy in school. That's right. He's in school in his Superboy suit. And the teacher's saying stuff, and he notices. Uh, uh, um, an accident that he needs to take care of so he raises his hand and says may I be excused to go save these people and the teacher says well of course Superboy Superboy flies out to save the um, uh, the people I think it's a, a runaway train oh it's a blimp and uh, it's falling and Superboy needs to go save it so he flies out and saves the blimp but while he is gone saving the blimp and to school a crook that had been caught by Superboy shows up at the Kent's house and kills them, shoots them dead. Right there. Bang! Bang! Whoa! The Kent's are now dead and Superboy has no parents. And Superboy gets back to the scene as the ambulance and people are taking away the bodies covered and and uh, there's an interesting scene of Superboy trying to get to them while the police are holding him back. Uh, I don't think so. If he really wanted to get there, he'd get there, but he doesn't. Okay, so it's very sad. Superboy gets to, um, you know, see them taking the Kents away and is just heartbroken and slumps as they catch the thief, uh, the killer, and take him away. And then we see a scene of Superboy after the funeral looking at the uh, at the tombstones of Jonathan and Martha Kent. So without a secret identity, he's pretty lonely and uh, decides to move to Metropolis as Superman. So we see Superman going to the Groydon Arms and getting a room, an apartment there. Well, that didn't take long for word to get out that uh, Superman is now living at the Groydon Arms. And in fact, the owner changes the name and puts an S symbol on the outside and says, Superman Arms. As we see Superman leaving his uh, uh, apartment flying away to be Superman and do Superman things. Later that day, as he comes back home, traffic is just mobbed. There's cars backed up everywhere. There's thousands of people in the streets cheering and watching as Superman tries to get into his home as everybody is watching he then also tries to have a dinner, and people are just surrounding him, watching him eat, and it's just miserable. He has no time to himself at all. Neighbors 
are knocking on his door, asking him if he could, if they could take a picture with him, if they, if he would just help them do little things here and there, and of course, Superman, being Superman, does just what you would expect. He takes pictures with them, he helps people get the cats out of the trees, or find their lost keys, or whatever. He does what he needs to do. Even catching a little girl's bird that had gotten out of the cage. So, is really getting on him. But then, you know, he goes back to his apartment and is there. But then something happens. He needs to leave his apartment. And on the uh, roof across the street, disguised as a cameraman, is Lex Luthor. And it's not a camera he's holding. It's a machine gun full of kryptonite bullets. As Superman leaves the the apartment, Lex just pelts him with those kryptonite bullets and down, down, down goes Superman. Well, it was just a little too much now. Superman just realizes he can no longer stay in Metropolis as Superman. So he tells the governor a named state and no name for the governor, but governor that he has to leave the state. He can't. He just can't stay here anymore and be effective. So he packs up and moves to his Fortress of Solitude. In the fortress, he's got all of his monitors. He's monitoring, you know, major cities around the world and seeing what's going on, and nothing seems to be happening that much. So he gets out his Superman robots and plays a game of super chess with them course wins every time as they are playing these large chess pieces flying them around the board with he and his robots and no offense to his robots he says but you guys aren't very good at this are you well you programmed a superman and then there's a nice scene of superman being all lonely sitting in the snow at the edge of his fortress just looking out as we see the aurora borealis behind him and it's just really nice little scene but it's very sad So sitting outside his fortress, he realizes how lonely he will be without a secret identity and being able to commune and communicate with and be around normal humans. He just can't do it. So that's scenario number one. Scenario number two. This time, he makes it as Clark Kent all the way up to being an adult. And his first day at the Daily Planet. He goes to arrive at Daily Planet as Clark Kent, looking for a job, and interviewed by Perry White. So I see you were the editor of your small school newspaper. Well, the Daily Planet is not a school newspaper. Go get us a story about Superman, and we'll see what we can do. Lois is there, of course, looking all smug, arms crossed, saying, yeah, okay, Smallville. Although she doesn't say that. Nowadays, we can all just hear it in our own heads when Lois looks at Clark like that. She's thinking, yeah, Smallville. Okay. So to make the assignment work, uh, Clark gets a photographer. Doesn't look like Jimmy, but I don't know. And uh, the photographer says, smile, Superman. And as Superman, he's standing there holding a huge chunk of green kryptonite. And he tells the photographer, make sure you get the, uh, 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 the picture that the kryptonite is clearly in the picture. I want Perry's eyes to pop out when he sees me holding the deadly kryptonite. Well, when he gets back and shows the picture to uh, Perry and Lois, Lois immediately says, this picture is a fake. Fake news, fake news. Everyone knows the kryptonite is poisonous to Superman. 
Clark thinks to himself. I expected that. Well, it is not fake. It's a real picture. Superman had it taken while he was in the bottle city of Kandor, where he has no superpowers and kryptonite does not hurt him. He enlarged it for me and gave that to me. Perry says you're hired. So Superman, Clark, now has a job at the Daily Planet. But one day he's uh, changing in the cloakroom in the storeroom and Jimmy opens the door. Clark says, no, Jimmy, don't turn on the light. Don't come in. I'm cha- This is Superman. I'm changing into my secret identity. We can't let anybody know who I am, so stay out. Jimmy says, oh, okay, Superman. I won't tell anybody. Well, then later at, of course, you know, it's Jimmy Olsen. So later at uh, uh, a meeting of the Jimmy Olsen fan club, yes, there is a Jimmy Olsen fan club. He deserves the fan club. And we'll talk about that at some other point. But the Jimmy Olsen fan club, and they say, come on, Jimmy, he's your pal. You have to know who Superman is. Well, Jimmy can't help himself. He says, well, I can tell you that he does work at the Daily Planet. Uh Uh-oh. Well, one of the members of the uh, Jimmy Olsen fan club happens to be a bad guy who's there for this very purpose, to find out any secrets, anything he could about Superman, knowing that Jimmy is Superman's pal. And this is the big time. He goes back and tells his boss, we got a clue. Superman works at the Daily Planet. Well, they happen to have some gold kryptonite. So what do they do? So the boss with tons of money has a uh, uh, a two-way, one-way, whatever you call it, mirror, window, glass thing. You can't see through one side, but you can the other side. And it happens to be in the storeroom. And there they see Clark Kent changing to Superman, or vice versa, Superman changing to Clark Kent. Either way, they now know Clark Kent is Superman. So now... How are they going to use their gold kryptonite to get at Superman? Well, they see that he is about to receive, Superman is about to receive the key to the city. So they fashion the key, the gold kryptonite, into the key and make the substitution. When it is awarded to Superman, he says, thank you very much. And as he's walking off, he drops it. It hits his toe and hurts him. Ow! What happened? I've lost my powers. Since there is no law against taking Superman's powers away from him, they didn't kill him, they just took his powers away, uh, there's nothing the police can do, and then they openly admit that's what they did, inf- and that they got the information from Jimmy. So he's totally sad. We see this last scene of this story, where Jimmy and Clark are standing in a Superman museum looking at uh, the costume once worn by Clark Kent as Superman. And uh, Jimmy is so sorry, and... Clark is sad. What am I going to, you know, there's, that's the end of that career. I can no longer save people as Superman that now I'm just plain old Clark Kent. Superman is gone. That just goes to show though, what can happen if only one person even knows the slightest clue about who Superman might be. Jimmy actually didn't know, of course, that Superman was Clark Kent. And Superman, of course, in his little imaginary thing, could have figured that out a little better, handled it a little better, maybe. But <clears throat> but for the story, it goes. So, again, even when one person knows the simplest possibility or a clue as to who the Man of Steel 
might be can lead to disaster. So now in the nanosecond, as we continue on to the nanosecond imaginary what if I didn't have a secret identity thoughts going through Clark's mind as he contemplates how to handle Benny the Blaster. Oh, oh, and by the way, I should I should go back and tell you that uh, Clark and Jimmy are visiting Perry in the hospital. Perry has measles, and at his age, that's a very dangerous. So they put him in the hospital, and they're going to visit him. That's how they run into Benny the Blaster uh, that started this. And we'll go back to that little bit here in in uh, in Clark's brain as he thinks, okay, fine, Benny the Blaster. We've seen two scenarios in Clark's mind, one where the Kents early on as Superboy let people know, and that was disastrous. Then we find out, you know, what can happen if one friend even knows the slightest clue that let it out who he was, and that was disastrous. So in his brain, the third time, Clark thinks, well, what if he gave it away himself? What if that happened? So we go back to Benny the Blaster, and this is still part of Clark's imaginary thoughts. He jumps in between Benny the Blaster and uh, a pair of... Jimmy and the other people grabs the bottle of nitro and uh, muffles it up against his body, thus blowing off his clothes, blowing up his clothes and revealing that he is obviously unhurt because he's Superman. And he starts thinking to himself and saying out loud in this little third bit here, what am I going to do now? My Superman career is over. And Perry says, don't be stupid. Career's not over. You just need to go out and get a different secret identity. Just go get another secret identity. Let's see how easy that is. So as Superman leaves, he's thinking about, yeah, you know, that other secret identity thing, huh? And he sees, a, happens to see uh, a recruiting poster for the Metropolis Police Department. Superman says, woo, that's not a bad idea. I could be that way and on and off. I could still be and everything. You know what I'm saying? Helping people, whether he's on duty or not, he thinks that might be a good idea. He gets a blonde wig and puts a blonde wig on. Uh, not a long wig, a short one. Looks just like his Clark Kent hair, except it's blonde. And uh, a little mustache and no glasses. But Clark Kent's suit business suit. Applies for the job of police officer. Goes through the physical training and, of course, just blows that part away. And, of course, all the mental tests and all that stuff just absolutely blows that away. And he's using the name Mark Trent. You know, as he's finished all the, he's, he's just blowing them away in the physical tests. And the recruiting officers are just, you know, wow, this is amazing. And uh, uh, even tries a uniform on and sees what he looks like as a police officer. You know, he's getting compliments. And one of the other guys says, oh, you're a shoe in You're, you're you know, top of the class, you're about, you're going to do it, Trent. But now it comes time to, and I would have thought they'd have done this sooner, but he fails the background check because there is no Mark Trent and he didn't set any of that up. He has no uh, school, no history. He has nothing. It's just a fake name. So he is uh, uh, not accepted because he failed the background check. And he thinks, you know, I've tried this over and over again. And he keeps going to other jobs in the same thing. He has no background, no history. And 
So they're just really not hiring him the places he's been looking. He says, I'll just be a bum then. I'll just go down and be a bum on the street uh, down to Hobo Alley or whatever they call it in Metropolis. But even that, the police know who hangs out there regularly. And one of the police, the cops come up and says, uh, who are you? Let's see some identification. Of course, he doesn't have any. He's arrested, put in jail. And we know what's going to happen there. That, again, not a good situation. That means he would be doing the same thing from city to city, figuring out how to get into and out of jail. It would be, I don't know, Bruce Banner on the Incredible Hulk TV show. Except it wasn't Bruce, it was David Banner on the TV show. He That doesn't look good. So just picking up another secret identity is not something you can do easily. Apparently, he never watched Highlander. <laughs> they were picking up new identities. They planned this stuff out. You know, you have this stuff. Uh, fake IDs. But apparently, he didn't know those kinds of people and had nothing to do with that. So, in those three scenarios, it just is, it always ends in disaster or nothing, nothing good comes out of the fact that the world knows Superman is Clark Kent. So, how does Clark get out of this? Because now we're back to, again, the beginning. Benny the Blaster is still here in the hospital, about to blow the place up. And it looks like he's about to take himself with it. I'm not sure I, I think Benny the Blaster thought this particular plan all the way through either. By the way, this is the first and only time we ever see or hear from Benny the Blaster again. Could have been added to his rogues gallery. I guess they decided not to because, well, he's not really bright. So here we are in this hospital room and he's going to blow the place up and how does Clark get out of it saving his secret identity? Well, he moves at super speed faster than the eye can see and uses his heat vision to pick up a syringe. They're in a hospital, so of course syringes are just on tabletops and left all over the place. <sighs> Remember when it was done, boys and girls, long time ago by writers who it, it, never mind, just Go with it. Clark picks up a syringe off of the table and using super speed and heat vision forms, reforms the glass into a really long, almost invisible straw with a bend at the end, which he sticks into the, again, at super speed, the bottle of nitroglycerin and sucks it all out and swallows the nitro into his stomach just as Benny the Blaster throws the nitro on the floor uh, and nothing happens except Clark burps. And then Clark uh, grabs uh, uh, Benny the Blaster, a la George Reeves, from behind the neck, raising his suit collar up. And they call the police and things are taken care of. And then we see Perry reading the uh, the story in the, in the Daily Planet and... Uh, so ends our tale, where Superman realizes that he needs Clark Kent, and he's going to have to continue to figure out how to keep Clark Kent and his secret identity, his established secret identity. Beautiful artwork cover throughout Kurt Swan, George Klein. Again, Leo Dorfman wrote this probably at the behest of uh, Mort Weisinger. Mort probably um, had a lot to do with this one because I think this was a this was and has been a question that's not being asked for the first time. 
here in 2020, 2019, 2020. Happy New Year. So this kind of, you know, in a very simplified, easy, you know, quick manner, these are really, this is a story that they finally printed that answered those questions that Mort probably got in letter columns all the time. And uh, shows you a little bit about the difference between who is who is the real guy, Superman or Clark Kent. And we see that in this, they're both the real guy. They are as important to each other as anyone's identity is to themselves. I hope over the course of 2020 to do more of these. I've already picked out a dozen or more stories, and I hope to, and again, I think I mentioned in the first part that what I'm trying to think about doing is whether to split them up in a long series or do a, a long episode where we look at Clark v. Superman and just take a look at those times where either Clark is uh, the main guy or Superman is the main guy or they're split up and one has powers, the other one doesn't or whatever. But th- those points of things, the, those storylines. And, of course, mixing in some of the other good stuff from Superboy and et cetera. But that's an idea. I think time has come, and uh, we'll be doing that. But 305, Action 305, back to that, I think it's a good story. It's a simplified story, but it shows in in uh, in the great Kurt Swan artwork, of course, why Superman needs Clark Kent and uh, why he needs a secret identity. and. Reverse that. It shows not only why he needs a secret identity, but why he really needs Clark Kent as his secret identity. Action Comics 305. Leo Dorfman. He wrote a few stories back in the day, and we'll we'll get to some of those. So what did you think of Action Comics 305? And what do you think about Superman and his secret identity? Does he need Clark Kent? And does Clark Kent need Superman? The Earth needs Superman. We need Superman. Superman, strange visitor from another planet who came to Earth with powers and abilities far beyond those of mortal men. Superman, who can change the course of mighty rivers. Ben Steele in his bare hands. And who, disguised as Clark Kent, a mild-mannered reporter for the great metropolitan newspaper, the Daily Planet, fights a never-ending battle for truth, justice, and the American way. All right, well, that was fun. And like I said, we're going to be looking at more over the course of 2020, the Clark v. Superman thing. And uh, as I said in the beginning, I really have no idea uh, where Mr. Bendis and DC Comics are going with this storyline and... Uh, I don't care, which is the sad part. But I'm not angry. I mean, you know, I guess they have to do what they have to do or feel like they have to do. But uh, so far, my opinion is that all he has done is deconstructed Superman once they had a base to go from again uh, with Rebirth and kind of melding that Superman into a uh, a little mature version of the post-crisis Superman married to Lois. They had what they, you know, were selling. It was selling. This is not according to what I see. But who knows? 
We have no idea what's going on. I am not telling you what I think you should do. But uh, for me, I, I'm not finding any joy in the way Mr. Bendis is telling whatever the story is that he wants to tell. So as of the 16s, uh, 1016 and uh, Superman 16, uh, I'm no longer reading or getting or getting. This isn't a time now where I'm even saying, yeah, I'll get them and just put them over there and read them later. It's digital. I can get them anytime I want now. I don't buy the paper comics anyway. So uh, I'm not even getting them. I am reading uh, Superman Smashes the Clan and uh, Up in the Sky. Those are like little one-offs and I enjoy that. I enjoy the one-offs. I think they might have come from the Walmart specials. I'm not sure where they came from, but I'm enjoying those to a degree. And Superman Smashes the Clan. I read the first one. I decided now I'm going to wait and read all three as a group and probably talk about that. You know, we're we're back for 2020, and uh, we're going to see what's going on. But there's a lot going on with Superman, even if I'm not involved in the new comics and uh so we'll see what's happening and there's more to come and and uh i just thought it would be kind of important for some reason to start the new year off with uh, the secret identity thing it gets talked about a lot and now since it is the main topic of the current storyline but I wanted to let you know how I kind of thought. And and I, I looked at a whole bunch of Superman and Clark Kent stories. That's why I, I, I really came across this whole thing of doing a Clark V Superman. And uh, one of the stories that I really love, I've already done, you can kind of get a sample of that, is, and it was not with this in mind, but episode 110, 12, 11, I forgot the number and I forgot to look it up. But uh, King, where Superman and Clark were split, and uh, uh, Superman was basically trying to rule Earth, and Clark had to stop him without powers, and how he did it. Really good story. A two-parter for those days, uh, unusual, uh, over covered two issues. So, just terrific, just terrific. Which that also brings up something else I mentioned, that, that uh, I prefer one and dones or short stories particularly in comic book stories and now that they're costing so much to get the monthly issue the floppy as they say you might as well wait for the trade they they, they're actually telling you now you know you're going to spend 60 or 70 bucks on one title this year to get part of one story especially the way they're doing it, where they're mixing it up over other titles and drawing the story out. Uh, you know, it just got too much. So, bye-bye. <laughs> but I do prefer, like, you know, that's why I'm, you know, doing a lot of Silver Age comics nowadays and reading a lot 
of silver and bronze age again, and actually golden age, but more atomic age. Um, it's that period after World War II, but before the silver age really gets going, uh, late 40s to mid 50s, because that's an interesting Superman and Superboy there too. That's an interesting little time period that gets really overlooked because it is the transition from the pure golden age um, leaping a quarter of a mile, it's just, you know, stronger than a hundred men, faster than a speeding bullet, but not, not, you know, uh, not silver age. Anyway, I have babbled on enough. It's good to be back. Thank you again. Uh, if you want to leave me some email, please do. It's Bob at supermanforever.com. Love to hear from you. Also, it'd be kind of fun. Uh, if you would, in your iTunes or Apple, whatever thing, uh, leave a review. Uh, I belong to, I, I joined this thing written by Daniel J. Lewis, and it's a little app that he does called uh, Pod, My Podcast Reviews. And uh, I subscribe to that. Now, it's free if you only have one podcast that you're interested in. He has pricing for different levels. But what he does is go all over the world because the way iTunes works, it's regional. If you're in Germany or Italy or wherever and leave an iTunes review, uh, for me to see it, I have to actually log in to the Germany or wherever uh, iTunes country to see it. Well, my podcast reviews does it for me. It goes out every month, looks at every place an iTunes review could be left and then sends it to me as an email. That's very cool. And I'd like to see, and since I've joined this thing last year, uh, nobody's left me any, you know, feedback because it's kind of my fault, but it'd be kind of fun. Go to, go to your iTunes and, and leave some feedback there, a review and uh, a little couple of words. And that'll be really cool for me to just to see. You know, and I'll let you know next time if if that happens, uh, how cool that will be. Okay, I think that's it. I mean, we've been off so long. I feel like there's so many loose ends I want to tie up with you guys, but we'll do it over the next period of time. Uh, there will be more shows coming. Next time, who's your best friend? Your really best friend. You know, that person, that, yeah, that person. Superboy's best friend, Pete Ross, next on the Superman Forever radio podcast. Superman is based on the original character appearing in Superman magazine and action. Superman is copyright. DC Comics. Superman created by Joe Schuster and Jerry Siegel.